Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Football is back and so is Cash the Ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni every week this fall. That's picks, parlays, and that's sweet, sweet value. Cactus included on all the NFL and college football matchups. Full breakdowns on the biggest games, but... If you have a life, you don't have 45 minutes to spare, we've got you. We're the most on-demand podcast. We're catered to you and the teams you love. That's Cash the Ticket. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. Let's get to the mailbag here uh, where we've got a lot of great questions. This uh, first one is from uh, Jay Brendan PC. Uh, one of our longtime followers. Uh, he's been following us since our NFL Network days. Uh, you guys willing to get the original crew back together for some hot takes? And I think he's referencing. Uh, do you remember that time we had uh, on the old podcast where we had the the hot takes episode? Yes. Yeah. The fire and take think, episode. Yeah. Right. And I think that was the one, that was the one right where where franchise was calling in literally from like the roof. <laughs> yes. And there was like an and, alarm going off. <laughs> There was like a fire truck literally yeah, yeah, going yeah. down the street. One of the best episodes we ever recorded. We were dying uh, in the studio there when we were doing that. Anyways, this is for the uh, the fantasy freaks and geeks. Um, yeah, Jay Brendan wants us to, to fire up the fantasy freaks and geeks again. He wants to fire up Danger Zone. My boy Adam Rank and I did a segment uh, talking about deep sleepers there. Uh, he says, uh, you guys are the OGs hands down. Thank you for making fantasy. Great. There's no question. In here. Oh, he just wants yeah. to know if we can get the original crew back together. Okay. Yeah. And I put, put this one on the dock cause I uh, wanted to give a shout out, obviously to you, Brandon and, and everybody who actually, uh, there was a lot of folks who made like references to the old days, uh, you know, and even Gelhar popped in there and said like, when are you guys going to learn the, uh, to appreciate the greatness that is hocus pocus, <laughs> you know, when we told him to get a life or franchise said, get a life. Yeah. That, right. Look, I, the answer to this question is probably uh, not because everybody yeah. ha- <laughs> is living their lives. Gelhar is, uh, you know, uh, doing lawyer stuff, public defender stuff up there in Wisconsin right. franchises, uh, a certified redneck in his new home in Maryland. I'm joking, <laughs> but uh, that's a little inside joke between franchise and I, 
Um, <clears throat> you know, Marcus has a big boy job at NFL. At Rank's yep, got a yep, big yep. boy job at NFL. And we're doing our yep, thing. Yep. But I think yeah. it's always good. Always good to hear people still remember the old days, man. Yeah, it really was a super team uh, that we had back then, and uh, it was it was great. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that all got broken up, man. But uh, but yeah, it was a it was a, a unique time in all of our lives, uh, and a lot a lot of fun. That's for sure. Uh, how about this? Is from Yinzer. Uh, what's the future of the Tampa Bay wide receiver room? I know it's in division, in division, but could a Tampa Bay player end up in Carolina? I'm thinking that Yinzer is asking whether or not Tampa could be a seller during the trade market, uh, during the trade deadline, and and could Godwin or, or Mike Evans or whatever be on the move there in Tampa Bay. It most likely would be Mike Evans, I would imagine, uh, if they're going to move anybody. <clears throat> but what are your thoughts there, Matt? Yeah, so there's, I think Jordan Schultz is the one who put this out. A lot of people actually reported this, but I think Schultz specifically said something yesterday that the Carolina Panthers want to trade for a wide receiver. Right. Um, because they, but not even just a wide receiver, you know, they're not trying to call up the, the bears for chase Claypool, I hope. <laughs> um, but they, they want a number one wide receiver for Bryce young to build around Bryce young and to double down for their love for Bryce young. I'm like, mm, okay, what did we talk about earlier in that Bryce young discussion with the Panthers and the coaches? Have? Okay, sure. Uh, but also, yeah. So I, when I was, I was posting about this yesterday and I got a lot of responses like, Oh, Mike Evans, Mike Evans, I'm like, yo, that's a preseason take pal. What did we just talk about with the, the bucks? They're, they're not like tearing it down. They're going to win. They might win this freaking division. You I, know, dude, um, I know it's insane. It's crazy. They, they, yeah. They might win this damn division <clears throat> and Mike Evans too. Like, Honestly, Mike Evans is a Bucks lifer. You know, he yeah, has been right. there for a long right. time. Um, I think you know he wanted to stay there. I think they probably wanted to see another year out of Mike Evans because it was like statistically it wasn't his best year um, in in twenty two. Now he's obviously a little banged up right now, a hamstring injury that could slow things down. But I don't think they are trading either of these receivers at, at the deadline. Maybe uh, Mike Evans, if, if he got to free agency, could sign with the Panthers. But uh, right. in, in the, the deadline, no, um, I don't think so. <clears throat> I can't even, even, even if he got to that point, I don't imagine he would ever sign up to go to Carolina. Oh, oh, I mean, they're so far away from contending. And you can't tell and me they that need a Mike- young guy. Yeah, they need a young guy, but and and at the end of the day, you can't tell me Mike Evans, who's one of the most competitive dudes out there, like he's he's definitely going to be thinking about a contender at some point here, um, if he were to sign somewhere. Anyways, uh, if you're looking, by the way, if you're looking for like replacement Mike Evans, if he does end up missing time, or if he wants to take you know his time coming back or whatever it is, Trey Palmer uh, played a season high seventy five percent of the snaps there against New Orleans. He's six feet tall, one hundred ninety five pounds, a raw player. Raw player, raw route runner, <clears throat> former five-star recruit. Um, in, interesting usage there in Tampa Bay too, by the way. 50-50 inside-outside player right now. Maybe it trails more to like 75-25 if he does need to fill in for Mike Evans. <clears throat> but again, raw athlete, but he ran a 4-3-3-40. He's a high school track star, man. He won four 200-meter titles. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, one of the most accomplished you know, uh, high school track athletes. Uh, from his state. So yeah, he's a six rounder rookie, right? Um, and he's third among time Tampa Bay wide receivers in routes run right now, well ahead of Devin Tompkins and Rakeem Jarrett. So <clears throat> if you're looking for a little bit of a Mike Evans potential replacement, and there's no clear cut answer as to right now as to whether or not Mike Evans is going to miss time. But if he does, 
this is mm. a name, Trey Palmer, that you might be able to, to uh, keep in mind. All right. How about this from Rick Reese? Uh, someone just dropped JSN and redraft. Am I assuming for the uh, I am assuming for the bye week that they dropped JSN and redraft. Uh, should I pick him up uh, hoping for a post buy uptick? Matt Harmon, what say you? Well, look, it's been a brutal run out for Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's averaging something like five yards a target. Um, he's, uh, you know, not in, really just not involved in this offense. It's really not a factor. You know, they try to design him touches and stuff, and it's just not really working out. So, um, like I mentioned, I've, I've charted out two weeks of Jackson Smith and Jigba, the Giants game and the Lions game. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. One, the Seahawks are playing a ton of two tight end sets, sometimes even three tight end sets. And a lot of that, I think, is because remember in week one, they lost both of their starting offensive tackles. Um, they are not, they're trying to work around an issue right now. And by the way, this is what good coordinators do. You know, they, they, and which I think Shane Waldron is a great offensive coordinator who has a, probably a future as a head coach. Yep. Um, He's working actively working around a problem right now and still winning games and the offense is still mildly successful and not hitting its ceiling, but mildly successful. So they're going to continue to do this right now, especially because they're running the ball really well with these two tight end sets, too. So that's a problem for JSN, who's obviously not going to get on the field over DK Metcalf and over Tyler Lockett. Another right. thing I've noticed at when when charting JSN, they've also got this guy, Jake Bobo. Uh, who is like a 25-year-old undrafted free agent. I think he's out oh of my UCLA. God. People love Bobo. It's so funny. And the team so, loves Bobo. Yes. Uh, he's. I think he ran like a 4.7 or something. Maybe even, Something outrageous. Yeah, something yeah. ridiculous. Dude, it might even be like a 4.9. A, a <laughs> no, come on. There's no. I got to look this up now. There's no way. I'm looking, I'm looking it up. Yeah, no, 4.9940. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? A 4.9940. No <laughs> No way. Oh my God. A 49940, dude. We're talking. Oh my Lord. But you what? know what? Impossible. That's but crazy. you know what? This dude gets on the field a lot for the Seahawks. And you want to know why? Trigger warning. Trigger warning. I'm going to talk receiver blocking. Trigger warning. This guy blocks <laughs> his ass off out there, man. So, and, and here's the deal. So, oh my God. like, in again, they're trying to run the ball right now. They're trying to protect. This guy is a pretty good blocker. So, they're playing him a lot like tight to the line in the, yeah. in the slot. And that is costing JSN snaps as well. Cause let me tell you what JSN is not doing. He is not blocking. He is not fitting the run. He was never that guy, even at Ohio state, despite the fact he's like a big slot receiver. Mm -hmm. um, so, so all this to say, and, and by the way, then you can't just have Jake Bobo on the field for, for run plays. Cause then as a right. defensive coordinator, <clears throat> a you're going to, right. Yeah. yeah the, the quality control coach is going to be like, Hey, DC, anytime this Bobo cats on the field, they're running the ball. So then it's a tell. Right. So, so he is actively this undrafted free agent guy who runs a four, four, a four, nine, nine is, Insane. is taking snaps away from Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> Insane. That said, <laughs> that said, um, yeah, JSN, I do think has a really good feel for zone coverage. 81.5% success rate versus zone in the two games I've charted for him. I think yeah, he is good. still figuring out man coverage, um, specifically like, on deeper routes, uh, some dig routes and stuff like that. But um, he shows some pretty good feel for some of the intermediate stuff. Uh, slant routes, he's, he's all right with. Um, I think things will get better in time with JSN. Remember, he missed a lot of time in in, um, in training camp with that wrist injury. Yeah. So that's another thing that, that's at play here. So 
I think it's a lot of outside factors with with JSN, who I do still think looks like the player, not not great so far, but looks fine. And then there's this outside Jake Bobo and the tight end stuff. So yeah, lot lot going on. I do think I want to have him on fantasy benches. I'm going to try not to drop him through the buys. Okay, gotcha. Um, in terms of where he lined up in college, <clears throat> is there is there a transitory transition phase him that we're we're giving him here in the NFL? Because right now he's lining up about eighty percent um, in the slot, right? Only twenty percent outside. So he's almost exclusively right now a slot player. Is that something that's in line with what we saw from him at college, or was he more of a fifty-fifty outside inside guy? Yeah. Um... So I'm, I'm looking it up right now to get the exact numbers, but he was uh, mostly a slot guy um, in, in college. You know, he was he was definitely in the slot almost exclusively. So you didn't get a lot of snaps of him outside because he was playing with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Um, and then obviously his final year, he barely played and he got hurt. Now, that's another thing, too. He didn't play football a ton last year. So there's a, there's maybe mm-hmm. an adjustment period there. Um, yeah, all in told, I'm looking at it right now. He was in the slot on 82.8% of the snaps okay. that I sampled in his 2021 season. He was a behind the line of scrimmage player, 80.3%. And and here's the deal too. Like not only is all this happening, he still is going to, he's still sharing the receiver room with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who are great right. players. So there's right. just a lot working against JSN where this is probably almost, almost certainly, unless they just get these offensive tackles healthy. Um, and they're just rocking and rolling, like at the end of the year, like yeah. throwing the piss out of the ball, which is is possible. Um, it might just take a minute for JSN. I felt like the the assumption that JSN would just ascend uh, in this passing offense had relied on on one one assumption, and it was a really bad assumption: is that JSN would be a bigger playmaker for the Seahawks than Tyler Lockett. Yeah, and bad assumption because. I think I it, it I don't know if anyone said that outright, but there's no Matt. There's no way you could have projected JSN as highly as some people were were projecting him without taking targets away from somewhere. And I didn't see a single soul take targets away or take ADP value away from DK Metcalf. Exactly. Right. We saw we saw Tyler Lockett fall in ADP. Right. So. What does that mean? The, the assumption had to have been there that JSN was going to take some work and some snaps and some targets away from Tyler Lockett. That's a bad assumption. That's a bad assumption. So just from a fantasy perspective, I never understood JSN's ADP. I was trying to tell people, I'm like, he's a great real life addition mm-hmm. to the Seattle Seahawks, but he's a completely like he's off my radar completely. Uh, for from the fantasy radar, unless we see an injury, you know. So then, there, of course, then there's some upside there. But but again, um, hard to bake in injuries at the wide receiver position. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you could honestly yeah. argue that him and Zach Charbonnet were luxury picks. Uh, Absolutely. By the way, both Metcalf and Lockett are are underperforming ADP in fantasy right now. But so it's just this offense. I think, like I said, they're problem solving in real time. Yeah, let's see what they're like when they're at full strength with. Bo- I mean, just dude, look at the damn Giants without Andrew Thomas. Like their offense is non-functional, right? At least the Seahawks are winning games and functioning. Well, I mean, I, I think the run game in New York probably doesn't that help them do very much. Them. Yeah, <laughs> losing one of the best players at that position uh, shockingly ends up not helping your team at all. So there you go. All right, this is from uh, Ethan Co. Um, in a slightly more fun vein. 
I think maybe this sort of question is actually just stressful. Uh, if you had to predict who the top 10 wide receivers would be three years from now, mm. what would that list look like? And you're obviously excluding incoming rookies here. What does that look like in three years? Yeah, yeah, he said no Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, <laughs> I think a follow-up tweet. <laughs> yeah, there so you go. right now, I think we talked about this, the top 10 receivers coming into this season. I had as Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, Terry McLaurin, C.D. Lamb, Tyler Lockett, and then D.K. Metcalf kind of tied at 10. I think right. that we could definitely say that you know, Devontae Adams in three years probably still won't be in the list. I think, I don't think so. Um, Diggs is a little questionable. Yeah. Uh, I think even, I mean, maybe Tyreek and and pro- definitely Cooper Cup and Terry McLaurin and Tyler Lockett, no. Uh, so yeah, I think right. the ones that would still be there are Justin Jefferson would be in the mix. Uh, yep. I think that Jamar Chase is going to be in the mix. A.J. Brown yep. will still be in the mix. Uh, and, and, and then CD lamb. So that's four guys for my current top 10. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think contenders to join the list, definitely Devonte Smith for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chris Olave is a contender to join the list. Uh, if, dude, he might be there by like the end of the year. He's, I know he just had yeah. the one catch performance cause his quarterback shouldn't have been playing, but he's, he's right. on, he's a contender. Uh, I, will probably be on my list by the end of this season. He'll yep. probably bump one of these Seahawks guys out. Um, so that's seven. I think Garrett Wilson can be on that list too. So yeah, then it leaves like two more spots that I think are are kind of the okay. questionable ones for me. So so just crossing off some of these names that you have listed here. Here's who we have left. Okay, um, DK Metcalf, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddle. Uh, and then I'll throw in these other names that are a little bit more dark horse ish, but maybe, I don't know, maybe feel, you feel some kind of way about it. Uh, Drake London, Michael Pittman, Puka Nakua. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Zay Flowers, George Pickens, Nico Collins. And I'll just throw Marvin Mims in there because, my God, if this guy ever sees 30 routes, he's going for two bucks, okay? Because, like, he's just going nuts right now uh, on a per-snap basis. But whatever. Well, well, he's more of a joke, so we'll, we'll take him out. That's fine. Sure. But, but DK Metcalf, Amon Ross St. Brown, I, I'm assuming, will be high contenders. But there's Jalen Waddle there as well. Uh, but, again, I, I don't know how you feel about Drake London, Pittman, Puka, Zay Flowers, Pickens. Where, where are we going here? Uh, Pickens, no. Uh, no, no, I don't okay. think so. Okay. I don't think we've seen okay. that from him just yet. I think, yeah, 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 dude, let's, let's get him to like consistent starter level. At there you this go. Point. Okay. Um, I think Nico, I, look, I'm open to Nico. Nico is playing like a top 15 receiver right now. I'm open mm-hmm. to him, but that still seems a little early. Okay. okay. Um, Take him out. Okay. I think Drake London has the potential, uh, but you know, uh, he's, he, he, he and Pittman are kind of in the same group to me. Okay. Um, I think Amon Ross St. Brown, he's the he's the, my ninth guy, right? Because I need to fill okay. a ninth spot. Okay. The reality is that some rookie in the next, th- like you're talking about the next three years coming in, will probably be the one to join this group uh, since we're talking about it. But I think Waddle is close, but I still feel like Waddle is like the 15th to 17th best receiver in the NFL is okay. probably where he tops out. So yeah, I mean Puka obviously, dude. Puka keeps this up. He's gonna be he's gonna be up here. <laughs> yeah, it's dude. crazy what he's. Come and on, Zay man. Flowers, Zay Flowers, I think 
of the not, of the round one re- rookie receivers this year has clearly, clearly looked the best. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, playmaking ability, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's winning everywhere. It's good stuff. Um, all right, so there you go. That's your top 10-ish. Top Ish. 10-ish. Uh, man versus life. Uh, we like to be early on stuff, and often you are more right than wrong. Gut feeling along with schedule and his elite quarterback. Is this the start of the Rasheed Rice being a flexible wide receiver, a flex or wide receiver three territory? Is this the beginning for the Rasheed Rice era in Kansas City. I just added that last part myself. Um, this is from Keone, the Bangers League, Port Orange, Florida. <laughs> Shout out to the Bangers League. Let's go. Shout out to the Bangers League. Um, okay, so schedule-wise, Matt, okay, uh, Kansas City has uh, Minnesota, Denver twice, oh. the Chargers, <laughs> oh boy, and Miami <laughs> over the next five games. So Minnesota, one of the worst secondaries, Chargers really struggling in the secondary. Denver's one of the worst uh, defenses, period, out there. And then Miami obviously wow. just got absolutely lit up by by Buffalo. So five great games on the docket here uh, for Kansas City. Is this the beginning for Rasheed Rice being a wide receiver three? Wow. Why do I feel like all of these what's wrong with the Chiefs uh, offense headlines might rapidly yeah, they're fall away? <laughs> Yeah, with those these will, deep, those oh will, my those god bro i can't even believe that schedule that is crazy um okay so rasheed rice i i mentioned i'm gonna have something up on him on the site you know one thing i will say for sure is and i i said this when it was published and it was said a lot on the show you know he has a ridiculously bad reception perception profile from college but mm-hmm. i was told that he played almost all of those games with like a foot injury Um, so we can kind of just take that profile and just like put it to the side. I think it helps inform us a little bit, but not as drastically bad as what it was. Um, you know, that's just, that just is what it is. I think what we've seen from him in the NFL so far, look, he is really, really raw as a like man coverage route runner. That is Uh so true. And, and some of the plays you've seen him make have mostly been after the catch. And that's why, like when I see him after the catch again, two game sample here, he's been in space on 18.9% of his routes. He's broken at least one tackle on five of those seven attempts. Okay. So he's, yeah, he can, he can make plays after the catch. So that's what tells me like, all right, he's healthy. He, he, He's he was clearly not healthy then. He's healthy now, which is good to see. But a lot of it still has been like, let's run Rasheed on like a quick hook route or just like a, a slant route, sit down and get him the ball right away. But that's it, you know, when and let's let him make plays after the catch. So still very raw there. I do think I've been impressed with his ability to win against zone coverage, which has been an issue for Sky Moore dating back okay. to uh, his rookie year. You know, he's not that good against zone coverage. It's been good for Rasheed Rice, 82.6% success rate versus zone in these two games I've looked at here. Now he's got hands problems too. He, he's dropped three passes in these two games. Uh, that's a problem. It's a problem for a lot of these guys right now. Uh, I do think he can make some plays. Uh, do I think he's about to emerge as like a superstar? I'm not sure. I'd really, what I'd like to see him, uh, and I know some people want him in a slot, and I think maybe he can make plays if you give him a free release after the catch. I still would like him working on like post routes and dig routes as an outside receiver. Uh, that I think like take one of like Justin Ross or, or not Justin Ross, Justin Watson or um, yeah. MVS like off the field and get get this guy's like ability to run. Routes over the middle. That's where I've been most impressed with him. 18.9% of his routes have been 
uh, dig routes, 85.6% success rate. That's where I think I, I think he can bring the most value to the chiefs is in that role. Um, like I think sky more kind of sticks around as their slot receiver, uh, Rasheed Rice can move into the slot at times and then have, you know, Sky Moore as your flanker. Yep. I just, I just, they just really need like one X receiver in Kansas City. None of these guys, I don't think, are going to be that. You know, it's funny. We're, we're so obsessed with like Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore and like, what are, what are these guys doing? It's like, what is MVS doing, bro? Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. So I would like to see Rasheed Rice take some snaps from those guys. Yeah. Um, overall, I've, I've actually been pretty impressed with him. So uh, do I think he'd be a consistent flex? He has to clear like 70% of the snaps. Nobody in Kansas City, the wide receiver room is clearing 70% of the snaps. Yeah, so exactly. I definitely think I'm endorsing like him as an ad. It's, you know, maybe you trade for him on the low in Dynasty or something like that. Uh, but I'm endorsing him as like that. But before, I'm not here to say he's like a routine wide receiver three every single week. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, there you go. Uh, this is from Cavalier Domer. Uh, what types of defense, man, press, zone, are the majority of NFL teams playing? Uh, and how does that impact trajectory of receivers? How drastically would you let those tendencies dictate start-sit decisions for borderline receivers? All right, um, I've got some information on that. Uh, so league average for man is actually just 26.5% of dropbacks. Right. So it's pretty low. Um, again, it's like we all know this, right, that the, the zone coverage right now is the predominant um, style of coverage in the NFL and has been for a long time. So league average for man coverage is twenty six point five percent of dropbacks. Cowboys Giants are actually one, two in man coverage rates, 47 and 43 percent respectively. So even at like the very top end of the spectrum, Cowboys Giants. Uh, one and two, even both of those teams are still below 50% man coverage, right? Packers, Texans, bottom two. Packers are the worst at 13%. I shouldn't say worst, but yeah, they, they just you know uh, run man at the lowest rates. And then Texans run it at 14% respectively. So um, that's kind of sort of the breakdown. But Matt, I'll throw it to you in, in regards to, you know, how does that impact, you know, start sit decisions and how does that impact the trajectory of certain receivers? Well, I think that sometimes the like coverage versus man zones stuff can be a little noisy. Uh, I don't tend to put a ton of stock into it. Look, like I know there's this whole thing going around, like oh, Christian Kirk is only good against man coverage defenses. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know about that. I mean, he's he's just a good player, so he produces when the matchup goes his way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, probably pretty simple as that, honestly. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, I think. For some of this stuff, like I said, it, it can be a noisy. And one thing I would say too, and, and I'm not like questioning anybody's data set, these people collecting man zone data, it's 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 good. But sometimes you'll get defenses where like one corner is lined man coverage with the you know number one receiver, but everybody else is is facing like a soft zone on the other side. Or like a lot of times too, like pattern match zone defenses end up turning into man coverage. Like, what do you chart that as? Uh-huh. Uh, so right. it, it's a little tough to say, 
Um, you know, especially like that's very prevalent on that one side of the field type of thing. Like if you're bracketing a corner on, or if you're bracketing a receiver on one side of the field, is that man, is that zone? What do you think? So, uh, that's, that's all stuff to keep in mind here. Uh, and I don't typically let it necessarily make, um, distinctions when it comes to like start sit stuff. Um, you know, it's interesting <clears throat> in regards to player trajectory though. I, I do feel like when I look through your historical data, first of all, I think there was just more of an emphasis on man coverage and, and beating man. Let me put it to you this way. Even though the league average is 26.5%, we know that in football, that one or two plays completely alters a game. Just one right. or two. That's all it takes, right? So if you've got a guy who is just one of the absolute best man beaters in the NFL, um, I tell you what, that 26% of the time they're seeing that man coverage, they're going to make a play. Yeah, right? and, and by, those by are the, the way, times, yeah, go ahead. By the way, those times usually come in critical situations, like right. third down in the red zone. Um, Correct. So, you yeah, to, it just goes to bolster your point here. Um, but what what I found is that there are certain players that, um, and and I still think that when you look at reception perception data, and I don't know if you still feel this way, uh, but it, it's the guys that can consistently beat man press coverage. Um, these are your basically your elite players uh, in the NFL, right? And yep. the lower you get down on that list, the more murky it gets in terms of talent pool. Right. But I will say, having gone through all of your data, there are certain guys that are just so exceptionally good at beating zone coverage that even though their man scores are not great, they're still great players. There's mm -hmm. two players in particular that really come to mind. One would, of course, be Cooper Cup, who is, again, uh, in 2022, had the second best success rate versus zone, historically has been a fantastic zone beater, but has also historically not been a great man beater. Now, he's not been the worst guy in the whole world, but certainly just, you know, more average-ish when we're talking about uh, man success rates. And then Debo Samuel, mm. Matt, is, is, is certainly the guy that really comes to mind. Awesome zone beater, fifth best in 2022 against zone coverage. But then your charting shows that he was 47th best against man coverage, which is obviously not very good at all, right? So, uh, but he's obviously still a great player because he's so good at beating zone coverage. Yeah, totally. Those are two really good examples. Um, and yeah, it's, by the way, it's not as if like his success rate versus man coverage score is zero, you know? Right, uh, right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, that, that's one thing. It's not like, oh, he can't beat man coverage. He's just, that's not the strength of his game. But obviously good coaching, good, no, no coincidence that both the two guys we're talking about here play for two of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Ha, you put those point. guys in good situations. Great point. Great point. Um, all right, we move on. How about this from STL Elevate? ST Elevate. There you go. Uh, Bo, uh, what do you see as the likely career trajectory of Zay Flowers now that we've seen a small sample size against NFL competition? What do you see for Zay Flowers, Matt Harmon? Yeah, I think he could definitely be in the conversation for that, like maybe not top 10, but I think he can get up there like a top 20 receiver in the NFL, top 15 type of guy. Love the way he beats man coverage. Um, I think that he's been really good against zone coverage as well. Such an explosive player. And he's definitely, you know, um, <laughs> he's definitely on the just moves different scale, right? So uh -huh. uh, I think I think his his career trajectory is really pointing up. Uh, I've been very impressed with what I've seen from him so far. 
So again, just a, I mean, again, we go back to that three-year example, right? So three years from now, you you can easily see him as a top fifteen wide receiver. Uh, what does he need mm-hmm. to do in your mind to actually then crack that like top ten, top eight? I think he needs to become like a Stefan Diggs type of route runner. Um, you know, like I've I compared him to Deontay Johnson coming into the draft. Now he's way more explosive than Deontay Johnson. And, right. and when he gets the ball, he actually runs upfield as opposed to 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 our guy Deontay. <laughs> Shouldn't take shots at him, he's on IR, but still. Right, um, I hear what you're saying though. Yeah. I think that if he can beat coverage at like a high A tier level. Uh, which I think he, he's shown the ability, like I'm just pulling up what he's done so far, you know, like he's been around 70% success rate versus man and 84.8% success rate versus zone. There's been some discouraging press reps, but uh, that was mostly against Denzel Ward and the Browns in week four. Okay. Uh, Denzel Ward's yeah. a great, great, great cornerback. So um, it was just even notable that the Browns had him kind of tracking him around the field a little bit, not a ton, not, not exclusively, but a little bit. Um, so I think if he becomes like a high tier route runner with his explosiveness after the catch, yeah, we're talking about a guy that could be a, you know, really get into that area. All right. So you're talking about success rate versus man coverage and you said around 70%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So 70% would put him in 2022 would have put him around, uh, around top 20, just outside the top, uh, 25, right? Yeah. So we're talking, you know, maybe something around like 29, 30 right in regards to success rate versus man coverage. So that's a, a pretty long way to go um, in terms of, okay, he's got to beat man coverage a little bit better. Uh, you said success rate 80, around 85% for zone. Yep. That would put him really high up there. That really that puts high. Him, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, really high up there. And we're talking, you know, uh, border, you know, just, you know, somewhere in the top five, as a matter of fact, in regards to 85%. So right now he's got that sort of, you know, great zone beater, not great, uh, not great against man coverage type of guy. And when you have those kind of holes uh, in your game, maybe it will be a little bit difficult to crack that top 10, but such a great athlete, man. So, you know, yeah. uh, he, he just moves freaky boy. So like I could see him if he really dedicates himself to, to getting better at his craft, man, like because he's such a naturally great athlete, he can pick up certain things yeah. a lot faster than normal players. You know what I mean? So uh, that'll be certainly interesting. Uh, to see. All right. Last question here. And then, uh, and then we'll call it a show. What do you say? Um, all right. While charting Puka, you said the success rates match the production long-term is Robert Woods, the realistic expectation, or do you think he has a higher ceiling than Robert Woods? That is from Rob nine Oh six. Uh, I think he's got a higher ceiling than Robert Woods. Uh, do, do I think he 100% reaches it? Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we'll see, but I think he's got an incredible ability to beat man coverage on like a long developing crossing routes and corner, uh, corner routes and, and dig routes though, especially like just that middle of field stuff is so crucial in this offense. He's such a good fit there. Um, I think he's got a, probably a higher ceiling than Robert Woods, but, um, you know, that's like a really nice median projection for him. But I think even I like, again, some of the stuff we've seen, is better, it, not, not better, but it's just different than what Robert Woods did. Like that ability to line up outside and beat man coverage, but also win like in those chunk, like big chunk gains over the middle. Hundred percent. That's that's not really Robert Woodsy stuff. He was more like working out, like outbreaking routes and like flat routes and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I do think there's a little bit of a difference there between the two players. 
The great thing about Robert Woods was his versatility, I think. You know, the fact that he could play outside a little bit, but then if you needed him to line up inside, he could do that too. And I thought that like movable chess, he was that movable chess piece a little bit, right, for for Sean McVay's offense. And you need that, right? You need that in Sean McVay's offense. Um, but you're right. Um, I, 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 I didn't look up the, the, uh, the updated numbers, but even coming in um, to week number four, 80% of his receptions and 90% of his receiving yards um, all came for Puka Nakua all came while lined up outside, despite the fact that he had only been lining up outside about 60% of the time, right? So he's like a 60-40 guy um, was, is Puka Nakua right now, but almost all of the production that he has right now is while he is lined up outside. So it's kind of interesting uh, what his profile sort of looks like. Um, I don't know if you've got his man scores in front of you here. We're talking about Puka. But oh, when I you do. charted Robert Woods in 2021, 60% success rate versus man, which is obviously below league average, but 77% success rate versus zone, which is uh, slightly above league average. So not sure what the Puka scores look like right now, but I would imagine we're looking at a, a much higher success rate versus man score. Um, yeah, 80%. <laughs> Hell, let's go. Just two wow. games. It's just two games that that'll come down. But yeah, eighty percent in weeks one, week four. Okay. Um, so yeah, very very good. Uh, yeah, he he's been awesome, dude. He's he's. I, I think I wrote in the um, in season tracker like the 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 film the reception perception matches the production, which is uh, pretty crazy considering the production has been bonkers, bonkers. <laughs> I mean, Jerry Rice levels of just insanity. Ridiculous. Uh, I'm really, by the way, uh, it, it's interesting. I know we both live in the fantasy space and everyone right now is like wondering, oh man, what do I do with my puka shares once that Cooper Cup comes back? And for me, I understand <laughs> they all, that. They all from central Arkansas? That apparently, <laughs> apparently that's, yeah. I don't know why my accent went that way, but <laughs> okay, we, we go. Anyways, but no, it, it's like... Um, I understand that idea, Matt, but you know what I'm actually really excited to see is this Rams offense with two legit viable receivers, you know, right. like they've gotten by with, with Cooper cup, just being a, a stud, you know, for the past couple of seasons or past few seasons or whatever it might be. But now they've got a real viable guy that could play outside for him and produce. Mm -hmm. Right. So yep. like that to me, and you mix that in with Sean McVay and, and I, the, the hip injury for Stafford concerns me a little bit, but for, like, you yeah. know, again, if he's relatively right, even if he's like 80% of Stafford, mixing with those two guys, man, that's exciting. That is exciting stuff. This Rams offense could really, really put the hurt on some teams, man. Like, I'm so excited. I'm actually excited to see what this offense looks like with those two guys uh, running out there for the Rams. Yeah, me too. And I think this offense has been so much more viable than probably people thought. Uh, because, because of Puka, mostly, honestly. I mean, yes. people didn't think, people thought like, oh, should, should we be interested in Van Jefferson is like a, you know, because he's going to fall into volume. It's like, well, now they have like a dude that's earning volume, you know, like in Puka. So uh, yeah, all, all systems up, uh, all systems go for this Rams offense, including uh, Puka and Cooper Cup when he gets back. I mean, if he gets back, we'll see with this whole uh, hamstring injury. At least he's, they got him off the injury report right to practice or they've got him off the, the P or IR to practice. So I hope it I hope it works out because I do want to see both these guys together. 
Sean McVay has to be in the conversation, obviously, early season uh, for coach of the year right now because they're absolutely outkicking expectations. They're they're doing some great things right now. By the way, uh, the reason he, one of the reasons he's a candidate because he's made two two out well a thing, like two two out well with Sean McVay is actually doing things, which I'm just like stunned by, you know, like good for you, Sean McVay to figure out a way to get some kind of production out of, you know, freaking Adam weight, uh, Tutu Atwell, unbelievable stuff we're seeing here. I I am really curious actually what Tutu's role looks like when, uh, Cooper cup gets back because uh, look, take all the likes for Jefferson and, and, um, and Tutu, you can mostly take like, where do they line up? data and throw in the trash because they use tutu on so much of the like full speed motion stuff yeah uh, so like is he is he ever really on the line as an x receiver like no no way um so he's actually been right. kind of a slack guy like where does cooper cup mix in when it comes to these guys like does van jefferson leave the field does tutu atwell leave the field like do they still continue to use tutu in these like full speed motion stuff um yeah. that i, I think, think van, will be. i think van jefferson's kind of sort of done you know, maybe, maybe yeah, they throw him. Oh, I don't know, man, because he can still like, I look, he's had drop issues and stuff, but he can still line up on the line of scrimmage and like stack, you know, defenders in the vertical game. So he probably, I don't think he's done, done, but I think those two guys will like go off and on the field, right? When they want to line yeah. up just yeah, traditional yeah, yeah. three receiver sets, I think they probably have like Van at X, Puka at Z and uh, Cooper cup at slot, but then there will be other times when like they condense formations and they do the full speed motion stuff and it'll right. be Puka at X C- cup at flanker. And, and you know, at two, two will be either when, and wherever the ball is snapped, either he's outside, he's inside depend. That's where he'll get charted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I meant Don is in terms of like, he's done as like a, a viable fantasy guy. Oh, you know yeah, what I'm totally. saying? <laughs> he's, he's but I think Tutu will be done when Cup is back too. Like Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He'll, well, he'll have there, games where he catches like 2 for yeah. 80, you know, stuff like that, but <laughs> he might catch one he might catch one but have like, you know, 60 total yards cuz he took a fly sweep 40 yards or whatever it is, you know. Uh but yeah, no, I think they're going to cannibalize each other's production from a statistical standpoint. Uh but certainly gives you movable chess pieces I think um all the way around. Uh by the way, Again, Van Jefferson, you know, blocking wide receiver. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's going to get out there and do some blocking. That's true. Kyron Williams playing well right now, playing good football. Okay. Between an offense, uh, you know, uh, with an offensive line that's not supposed to be very good. Okay. I'm just saying all the guys, they're, they're picking up the pieces here. Okay. So, uh, so that stuff does matter and it, it is important. So anyways, there before, you know. before we go, can I say yeah. one thing on Calvin Ridley? Cause we got a ton of Calvin Ridley questions. Sure. Sure. And we didn't. T- I know we got a bunch of I, my panic level, James. You can tell me if I'm wrong about this. My panic level on Calvin Ridley remains like zero. Um, well, I can't be. It can't be zero. Come on, dude. Yes, he hasn't played. Uh, why he hasn't? He's he's done nothing for ten quarters. Why well, it can't be zero? Because okay, well he's done nothing in the box score, and I get okay. that. But yeah. I'm just saying, like the role they have him in. I mean, he was he was legitimately fantastic all the way through week one. Again, I don't care about the statute. I'm just talking about how he performed and how he played. He was a huge part of that game plan. Hundred percent. Then last week against the Falcons, he was not a huge part of the game plan because, or if he was going into it, he wasn't because the Falcons, who obviously know Calvin Ridley really well, they have they have AJ Terrell track him around the field in certain situations, not all, but certain situations they would double him. You know, and 
look, what good teams and good quarterbacks do is they're not like, oh, shoot, I got to force it to Calvin Ridley anyways. You take the, the matchups. You take what's given to you. You take Christian Kirk. You take Evan Ingram. And that's exactly what Trevor Lawrence did. Um, that's not going to be the case every single week. You know, and by the way, he still scored you a touchdown. If you played him in fantasy, like yeah. you can't complain because he scored you a touchdown anyways. <laughs> right. Despite the he fact got that you double digits, happened. yeah, yeah, he got so you double zip digits. it. All right, um, <laughs> got you bunch of targets in the two games in between there. Uh, just a little, you know, miscues didn't connect some drops. The drops, yeah, I don't drops. that I definitely don't care about. Like it's not sticky right. long term. I think Jacksonville uh, has a role for him. I think he's been good in that individual role and was literally fantastic. Like in week one, it, it, you can do anything with a player in four game sample sizes and be like, ah, yeah, this is tough. But I think <laughs> then there will be other four game sample sizes where Calvin Ridley has three Blows out up. of four good games instead right. of one out of four or one yeah. and a half out of four. I do think his time to your point. I do think his time is coming. Although I'm not as bullish as you because just watching him play, I'm like, is he locked in right now? Like there are times when I'm just like, I don't know if he's locked in, you know, it doesn't seem, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, that's kind of, maybe that's I a disagree. narrative thing. I don't know. I do think he looked more explosive in week one than he's looked the last two weeks, but that can just be like, maybe he's dealing with a minor injury. That's not on the injury report and stuff like that. Okay. Well, Maybe. there you go. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, I'm just, it's hard to see him from week one and then see him the last three weeks and say it's the same guy. That's just, that's my only thing. Uh, so, you know, panic meter or whatever you want to call it. It's just kind of like, I feel a little uneasy that he doesn't look like that explosive at, like he was looking so nice yeah, in week one, it's true. Where you're just like he doesn't look quite that level the last three weeks, right? So that's my only reason where I'm like, eh, okay, that's a little that's a little disconcerting. So I'm not I'm not full on like oh he sucks, but at the same time I'm I'm kind of my my eyebrow is raised. Let me just put it to you that way, right? So I'm not fully out on Calvin Ridley. I do I agree with you that I think that better days are ahead and that he will certainly there's going to be a week here shortly where he has a blow up game you could just you could feel it it's coming yeah you know what i'm saying right. a blow up game is coming for calvin ridley um it, hell it might even be this week i don't know but we'll find out anyways um I, the only you know I, it's like we i feel like we talk about calvin ridley every show that's why i was like ah, i see a lot of calvin ridley questions but ah, maybe we just but you know what it, it's it's to your point though it's it's good that we talk about it because I, I know he did come out gangbusters and has been, you know, struggling the last from a statistical standpoint, uh, the last three weeks. Although I would again, love to not talk about it every show, but people ask <laughs> to talk about it every show. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, uh, for the most yeah. part, the rule the rule is the rule here, and and it's that we do not freak out about verifiably great receivers that are seeing volume and. Calvin Ridley, I think, remains a verifiably great receiver that's seeing volume in a good offense. That you know, not a perfect offense. They've got to figure right. some issues out, but oh, still, sure. I'm, I yeah, not not too concerned about it. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 